in a galaxy far, far away, there has been an awakening in the Force. A new entity rising out of the shadows to be our only hope and the Star Wars Destiny website that I have been looking for. Top Deck TCG. This place is the bright center of the universe for all your gaming needs. Top Deck TCG has everything that is Star Wars Destiny. Use the promo code REBEL when checking out to receive 10% off your entire order. Now, that's a deal even the huts can get behind. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This is Brian from the Golden Days Podcast, and you're listening to I Rebel, a Star Wars Destiny podcast. Well, Cas Cas, you get to choose your opponent. You get to pick the racer. You get to select the instrument of your own fiery destruction. Hot Phazon, Rip Halloran, Freya Fenris, Bo Keebles, and the newest and youngest of our aces, Taurus Doza! Five. I'll be fine. Tora Doza! What? Was that bad? Tell me that wasn't bad. Forgery of Imperial Documents. Possession of stolen property, aggravated assault. State your name for the record. Jin Arsen. We have a mission for you. I want to help. Good. The world is coming undone. Imperial flags reign across the galaxy. I fear nothing. All is as the Force wills it. Every day they grow stronger. There isn't much time. I rebel. Welcome everyone to I Rebel. I am Jedi Geek Girl, and joining me as always is my wonderful co-host, back from her much-deserved break, Sarah Evans. Hi there. How are you doing today, Sarah? I'm doing really good. As you said, I've had quite a bit of a break from podcasting and from Destiny, so I'm very pleased to be back. You and me both. I know that we dropped an episode like a week or two ago, and podcasts have been going out kind of constantly, but it's been a while since we recorded, and even longer since you recorded. So I'm ready to dive in because we have an exciting topic to talk about this episode. Yep, same. Let's dive in. Ladies and gentlemen, We have spoilers, and we cannot wait to dive into them. Before we do, however, we need to introduce our guest for this episode. Joining us today is a man who I mentioned I would like to get onto the show in a previous episode, and a man who I finally got to meet at Worlds. He is one of the good ones. The man who is best known as Mr. 14% from the Golden Dice Scuttlebutt, a.k.a. Brian. Wow, that was a a much better introduction than Jack has ever given me. I strive to impress with my introduction, and I'm so happy to have you on. Happy to be here. As I mentioned before, you are one of the good ones. It was so nice to meet you at Worlds. Yeah, likewise. I uh, really enjoyed our interview. I had a great time. Jumping right into this podcast, we're going to start this episode out with touching base about how the last few weeks have been for you in Star Wars Destiny. Right now, it's been a little bit of a slow time. 
However, people are still engaging in the game. So starting with our guests, how has your last few weeks been for you in Star Wars Destiny? Not so bad. Everyone's kind of gloom and doom right now. And uh, I guess on my podcast, I have also been a little gloom and doom. But FFG State of the Game is kind of a little slow, you know, with their product release schedule and kind of local competitive scene kits and all that. But Jack and I uh, have actually kind of revived our local scene a little bit. We're, we're usually getting about five people every Tuesday night at Jack's. Um, and I can't say I've revived it. It's always Jack, you know, <laughs> I'm kind of the guy behind the scenes uh, supporting, but Jack's done a really great job at getting people involved and interested. And we've kind of just playing, you know, like kind of jankier decks and nothing competitive because the guys that we have don't really have a huge card base. So we're kind of trying to be accommodating and, you know, go easy on them as it were. We've had a great time. And, uh, you know, these spoilers are a great placeholder until the next set comes out. Has it been hard for Jack to play these kind of less meta decks? Oh, yeah, he's struggling. <laughs> he wants to play fun stuff, but he uh, he built Han Shui. Han Shui is kind of his thing, and it didn't go well, and he immediately switched to, like, four Lam. <laughs> well, at least he tried with it. Yeah, got to give him props for trying. I love trying garbage, dumb decks, so I'm in my element right now. How about you, sir? How has it been for you? Since coming back from Worlds, I kind of took a few weeks off. It's been a little bit sort of taking a step back from anything meta, really. So in my local, we've kind of been trying to do some more sort of fun weeks for the past few weeks, especially for those guys, because they didn't go to Worlds. We haven't had any like primes that near us. So it's been like a really long time, like just trying to keep, you know, the interest in the game. So a couple of weeks ago, we did like Allies of Necessity Week, which was a lot of fun. I ran sort of Finn 2 Cares because... I've always wanted to play Finn too, but you know, he's not so good. But this was a good excuse to kind of crack him out and give him a go. And then last week, just gone, we got some really cheap boosters off the Black Friday sale for the old Awakening block. So we bought two boxes. It cost us like a couple of quid each. It was insane how cheap they were. And so we just kind of cracked them open and did a rivals draft. So it was really nice to kind of like play with those old cards again. So yeah, mostly I've just been having fun with the game since kind of coming off the competitive wagon. Before I share how has Star Wars Destiny been for me, I would like to take this opportunity and we're going to share at the end of the show, but that's not all that you've been up to when it comes to Star Wars Destiny. Sarah, you also created a new Twitter. Would you please share that? Yeah, so I've kind of been in two minds about how I use Twitter because I originally set it up for kind of my, my work side and a lot of my followers have been on that basis. So then I felt I wasn't using it because I felt like if I tweeted about Destiny, you know, they're not interested in that. If I tweeted about work, my people who follow me about Destiny isn't interested. So I kind of took the leap and kind of created a sort of a second account so I can keep that side separate. So yeah, if you want to follow me on there, it's Sarah underscore SWD. For me, for Star Wars Destiny, well, I haven't been doing a lot. I have been kind of not really burnt out since Worlds, but it hasn't really been interesting to me. I come from a background from CCGs that have product releases every three months. And every time I get to that third month, that fourth month, I feel kind of bored. When I was younger, I used to be very engaged with the games. I used to play them a lot, like Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon. I would drive my friends nuts because I would always want to play them. And with Star Wars Destiny, I don't know if it's because I'm getting older or if there isn't a lot going on when it comes to competitive play, spoilers, and set releases compared to the other games. 15 years of those other games, 
it just feels stale for me. I don't feel like the need to explore. It's like everything falls into this specific mode. And I just rather have something new and fresh and spend my time doing other things. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is. But yeah, I haven't played since Worlds. And I don't think I'm going to be playing until this next set release. Unless the RG comes into effect by the time one of the primes happen near me. I think I might play before convert missions if the meta is kind of shifted a little bit and we have a prime near me. Otherwise, I'm probably not going to play still for a while. I'm kind of sick of this meta as well. Yeah, it, it, it's like with the villain decks, it's like blue and yellow. Right. And with the hero decks, it's like George, Mill, Palpatine. I love Palpatine, don't get me wrong, but even he is still... You know what I'm saying? Not really boring, but like, you know, he's a meta deck. Yeah, no, he definitely, and he's, I would put him on the same level as, and people might disagree with me, but mentally, I think sometimes he's just as draining as playing Mill, because you do need to play a little bit both defensively and offensively as far as when do I drop this upgrade? When do I overwrite this upgrade for, you know, do I want health? Do I want to remove dice? Is my resource shit? Like, I don't know. There's just a lot of things that go into it where I feel like droids is kind of, straightforward four long villain decks are straightforward you know drop this and you know you're good to go where palpatine i think takes a little more precision and a little more tact i'm still learning the deck and i think palpatine is probably what i've run the most this meta so i'm not entirely sick of him yet it's just a real shame and i don't want to like complain about it that everything that is happening right now is happening right now you have the shift of the model of organized play you have a set delay you have Cascade no longer in charge of events at conventions. It looks like events are not going to be the same as what they were, which means that there's no reason for me to get excited about Adepticon. It's just bad timing. And part of me wonders like what long-term effect it's going to have for the game because I'm going to be here until the end. A lot of people are, but not everybody has that same sense of dedication. If it wasn't for the podcast or the Star Wars brand, I'm pretty sure I would have left by now. I agree with that entirely. There's actually been a couple times where I've said to Jack, hey man, look, I'm just not having fun right now. I'm kind of tired. I really don't want to drop another three, four, five hundred dollars on this set and then going to events, which is more, you know, it's just money and time out of my pocket when I feel like as a consumer and as someone who's, I think, been pretty fair to FFG, I don't think they've been as fair recently to us. I think that they're still getting there. Like, it's a slow process. Like you said, I'm going to be here till the end. So, I mean, I'm just going to take it. You know, whatever they throw at me, I'll take it. But, you know, I can still hope for better days. Moving directly into Star Wars generally, same question. How has the last few weeks, and this has been a lot, so pick one, I guess, been for you? The Rise of Skywalker is coming so soon, I can't even handle it. I'm looking forward to it. And I actually did make sure that I'm not going to be in in work on that Friday. And uh, I probably will. Amongst other things I'm doing that day, see it for the second time that week, if I can, maybe another, because I do generally try to be sort of fair in my reception of the films, but I'm still hyped. This is a great time to be a Star Wars fan. The Mandalorian, Fallen Order, Episode 9, I'm on overload right now. I'm a kid in the candy shop. It's just wonderful. It's excellent. Yeah, for me, probably not as much as it should be. I know there's lots going on in Star Wars at the moment, but as the UK does not have Disney Plus until the end of March... A sad face on that front. So for me, it's just pretty much been the build-up for Rise of Skywalker, getting hyped for that. So yeah, just getting really pumped for that, counting down the days now. 
probably going to watch episode seven and eight in the next couple of days to start that train going. So yeah, just really looking forward to it. I am so full on Star Wars content right now. There's so much because I read everything and watch everything. I'm watching Resistance later today after watching A Mandalorian two days ago. It's like not really a contrast, but it's like such a time to be a fan to have not one but two new episodes of a Star Wars TV show. For me, when it comes to Rise of Skywalker, I am excited, but I use the analogy that right now I am full. I have a plate of Rise of Skywalker in front of me, and I'm to the point where I'm putting Rise of Skywalker in my mouth, and it is feeling a little uncomfortable for me. It's getting stuffed, and I just want to put the fork down and just want my dessert. I want to see the film. I want to experience it. I hear all these receptions from fans and cast members who have seen the film. And it's like, I don't want it. I just want to see the film. I just want to draw my own conclusion. And I'm trying to temper expectations because if you go into the film with high expectations, no matter what they are, it leads to disappointment. And I don't want that. I want to be open to the story, whatever it is. And for me, getting ready for Rise of Skywalker, I'm going to watch all the live action canon films, starting with The Phantom Menace. And I'm going to be starting that tomorrow. I might start it tonight, but after midnight, I'm not sure. But I have been really excited. I've been itching to rewatch these films for the last couple of months. But I want to make sure that I did a marathon. And I want to make sure that the films, all of them, keep their, I don't want to say standards. But if you rewatch a film over and over again, especially the emotional ones, such as Rogue One, Revenge of the Sith, Return of the Jedi, The Last Jedi, all those films, if you rewatch them over and over again, they lose their emotional punch. And instead of like watching them like a couple months ago and watching them now, I held off a little bit and I'm going to rewatch them. And what better way to watch them than on Disney Plus? Disney Plus is wonderful. I'm actually working my way through everything before I see Rise of Skywalker. That's my goal. I have 11 days left and I'm on season two of Clone Wars. I've watched four, five, six, one, two, and I'm trying to do Clone Wars, then three, then Rebels, Solo Rogue One, seven, eight. I am so addicted to Disney Plus, like not even Star Wars related. Like I watched The Runaways. I'm working my way through the 90s X-Men, but just not a Disney Plus thing. But I'm also getting the itch to rewatch Rebels, and I'm probably going to do that sometime next year. I know we are itching to dive into these spoilers, but before we do, we need to get to know you a little bit more, Brian. Starting at the beginning, how and when did you become familiar with Star Wars? I started watching Star Wars when I was very young, probably about five or six. I've watched all of them before I was seven. I was watching four, five, six, one, two by, you know, the time I was around eight or nine. And I just watched them on repeat all the time. I had the action figures. I had the toys. I had this and that. I had lightsabers. I dressed up as Jar Jar Binks one year (laughs) for Halloween. I dressed up as Anakin one year for Halloween. I was super duper into it. I dressed up as Vader for Halloween one year. I just loved it for as long as I can remember. Same question for Star Wars Destiny. How and when did you pick it up? Star Wars Destiny, I came in around the Spirit of Rebellion era. And this is when we couldn't find Awakenings so easily around us. So probably about uh, six months into the game's life cycle. I didn't get competitive, though, until probably about a year after that. And naturally, Jack brought me into that because he just is a bad influence. And that's that's why I am where I am. But I wouldn't wish it was any other way. What was it about the game that sort of hooked you into it other than sort of Jack's persuasion? 
Well, that's a huge part of it right there. <laughs> but um, I would say that the brand, honestly, Star Wars is such a big part of, you know, all of my interests. I think Star Wars and Marvel are the big ones. And FFG's pulling at me both ways with Champions and Destiny. But um, I, I would say it's the brand. And on top of that, I think that the deck building aspect is very interesting. The way they set up this game is fascinating to me, and it will never not be fascinating to me the more they come out with. Whether it's a stinker or not, I appreciate FFG's creativity in making this game what it is. Absolutely. And as we mentioned in your introduction, you are a part of Golden Dice. How did you become a part of this show, and what is your role as part of the team? <laughs> that's, that's an interesting question, the last part. Um, I went on probably about was seven months ago, around uh, the end of February, as more of Shane started to Thanos snap into eternity, and I don't know where he is right now, or if he's even still around. No, she's fine. But uh, Shane kind of dropped off and Tommy started to, you know, have kids and he couldn't be on as often. So Scott also started to do adult things. And then, you know, I've known Jack for about 20 years now. We've been friends since kindergarten. And uh, he kind of reached out to me one night and was like, hey, I can't get it in on the podcast. I don't want to have, you know, so why don't we just try it out? Because I was a little shy. He was like, I know you're, I know you're not really, you know, into that kind of thing, but why don't you try it? Jenna Geek Girl's going to be on tonight. And, you know, you'll have a nice buffer. It's not just going to be me and you talking. There'll be someone else. And, you know, it'll be nice. It's not like a one-on-one conversation. You have nothing to be, you know, comfortable about. So I kind of did that, joined. He said, you know, you did great. I would love to have you on more. And as I went through it, I got more comfortable with it. And I would say my role on the team, since I clearly am not winning much, I'm the meme king, I guess. I've taken over Shane's position entirely because Shane was just the joker, I guess, of the team. And now here I am. And, uh, you know, I make good wild impressions. That's my role on the team, really. Wrapping up this section, can you share with us something unique about yourself outside of Star Wars and Destiny? Outside of Star Wars and Destiny, am I even a person? Um, <laughs> good question. Uh, I have a love of games, I guess. I, I love music. I can sing really well. Pat on the shoulder for me. I sing and I'm, uh, I play a couple of different instruments. I don't know if I should be scared or intrigued by that fact. <laughs> Absolutely! <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I was hoping you would do that. So. <laughs> I just watched episode two, so all those quotes are fresh in my mind. I mean, you gotta shift into the episode two for Todd, and does Todd know that you dressed as Jaja's one year? I mean... I don't know. I didn't want to tell him. <laughs> <laughs> it's always so scary. And I, actually, you know, I have a bigger appreciation for Jar Jar now watching the Clone Wars over again, because he is silly, but he's still legit. Yeah, I think over time I have gained a better appreciation for him just because that's what you do when you get older. Like I know a lot of people, especially when it comes to prequel trilogies, they have this appreciation. They don't have to like it. They don't have to fall in love with it. But it seems like that's just a part of getting older. And I was never really one to really have that opinion about Jaja, probably because they're friends that were around. It's just such, such a social thing. But it's so nice and I do want to mention that there is a new Disney Plus show coming out called Jedi Temple next year, and it is hosted by Jaja himself, Ahmed Best, and it's going to be a game show for kids, and it just astounds me, and I hope he breaks into Jaja just because I'm sure those kids will really enjoy it, and adults might not like it, but it's not about us when it comes to him and Jaja, and especially after the news, and we're getting off topic here that he struggled with suicide 
and it was so nice. I met him at Star Wars Celebration. I told him thank you, and I'm sure that was really emotionally powerful, and it's good for him to come back into Star Wars fold. People don't have to love or like these films or characters, but they also have to respect that, you know, it's an art craft, and Jar Jar broke a lot of ground. Before there was Gollum, there was Jar Jar. I agree. I think we should break the stigma that you can People are so afraid to say they like Jar Jar in public. You can like Jar Jar in public. It's okay. Unless you're Todd. Todd might die if he said that. Yeah, Todd won't like... No, that's okay. He's set in his ways. That's all right, though. Hey, Rebels. Bobby Sapphire here. This show is made possible through the generous donations of everyone who's a patron of iRebel. It is the pledges of those patrons and you, the listening audience, that makes iRebel work. If you'd like to find out more information about the rewards you can get, as well as how you can play a part in iRebel, please check out patreon.com slash iRebelDestiny for more information. I myself am a proud patron of iRebel, and I'm happy to share my love of iRebel with you by telling you all about their Patreon page. So check it out, and if you like what you see, become a rebel by becoming a patron of iRebel. Back to you, Sarah and Jedi Geek Girl. Without further ado, let's dive right into these spoilers. Sarah, could you please go ahead and read the first card for us? My pleasure. So, first card we have is Tora Doza. She is an energetic thrill seeker. She has the health of 11. She is a yellow hero, and her die sides are two range, two indirect, one disrupt, one shield, one resource, and a blank. She has subtype of pilot. So it has piloting, which is after you activate this character, you may activate one of your vehicles. This character is piloting it. And then she also has an after ability, which is after this character begins piloting a vehicle, you may resolve one of that vehicle's support or upgrade dice. She is a cost of 12 single die and 15 elite, and she is number 91, a rare. Before I pass it to you, Scuttle, of what you think about this card, I did talk to Ganondorf to get a ruling on this card to clarify how it works, and he says, Piloting is an ability that triggers after activating. After you activate this character, choose a vehicle you control and activate it. This character is piloting that vehicle. So Tor activates her piloting trigger. She fully resolves that. At the last part, when she officially piloting a vehicle, then her ability triggers and you would resolve after it. You can pilot a vehicle that is already activated. Her ability would still trigger and you could resolve any of that vehicle support upgrade dies that are already in that pool. Or you could activate a vehicle with a piloting and then use her ability to resolve one of that vehicle dice right after two. Just to clarify, because I know I had a little issues and I'm going to go ahead and pass it to you on your thoughts. Piloting sounds complicated, but also pretty powerful. I think any character that has piloting in this set is going to be an interesting play. Just because we really haven't seen that mechanic work before, we've seen pilots before, and we've seen how pilots work with their vehicles. For example, Poe and Black 1, and Mauler and Black 2. But she sounds interesting to me. It seems like good diocides. I just wish that, like, Wedge has the 15. I don't know if I feel great about the 15 costs on a character like this. Yeah, I don't see her being used at 15. She'd probably be at 12 to get her into a 3-wide. You know, unless there's some sort of good cards that make two wide vehicle decks viable. I really think you're probably going to play her mostly for her ability to get that sort of quick resolve effect. I don't see her as the way Destiny currently is being viable at Elite. I think she might be the character that makes me play three wide just because I am a huge fan of her. I watch Resistance. I absolutely 
love that show. She's one of my favorite characters. And she has a cheating ability that reminds me of like Mars. So not only do you activate her in a vehicle at the same time that you are piloting, obviously, but you get to resolve it automatically, which, yeah, you have to roll in. And if you want to use her ability, take what you roll. But if you use a more consistent die, it can be very strong. I like it. And like I said, I'm a huge fan of the character. She is yellow heel, so you have a lot of the heel removal. At 15, maybe she'll get a good partner. 11 health is decent, but I would definitely be interesting, especially if droids get hit again. I would be interested in seeing her in the three wide. And yeah, I like her because I, I like that cheating thing, and I'm a fan of her character. Who's to say if she will have a place in the meta? 12 is that fine line of being able to fit in a three wide. Maybe she'll be able to, maybe she won't, but I really enjoy her, and, and, and I'm glad that we got her. Can either of you tell me, as I've not seen Resistance, how thematic is her ability, or is it not at all? Well, she is an ace pilot, which is pretty obvious. I would say that her ability, regardless if it's thematic or not, doesn't speak thematic to me as a concept, but it makes sense because she is an ace pilot, and she's one of the better ones. So I would say it is thematic, but it's not as mechanically thematic as like a Vader or other characters, if that makes any sense. Yeah, gotcha. Sir, could you please share with us our second spoiler? Yep, so this one is a three cost. It is a yellow hero card again, and it is blue ace. So this is a support vehicle. And its text reads, before you resolve this die, remove any number of resources from the support to increase its value by that number. After you resolve this die, you may place one resource on this support. So it's a three cost and its die sides are one range, two indirect, two disrupt, two shields, one resource and a blank. And that is number 98 and it's also a rare. Hmm. Interesting. I'm not too up on resistance, but this has weapons, correct? When they're racing, they use like iron pulse. And obviously later as they go out on their own, they do have weapons. So yeah. I just don't like the sides for a three drop as far as this goes. I wasn't sure if it was thematic that she only has the two damage sides, but for a three cost, the sides don't really throw me. I mean, I guess more as a support, that makes a little more sense, but I don't know. I guess I have to see. Yeah, I think the damage sides are pretty lacklustrous until you get that sort of pump from it. It really depends on, you know, how, how much that investment's going to pay off, I think. And maybe if there's another way other than just resolving the die to get resources on there, because otherwise I can just see it being pumped. If we're only playing Destiny for like rounds three and four, it's not going to get pumped that often. It's probably going to get mitigated once or twice. So are you going to get that pump on it that much? And it seems like three resources could be an investment that may necessar- not necessarily pay off. Yeah, I am not a huge fan of the card itself. Obviously, I look at these cards and I automatically think of Season 1 of Resistance. Obviously, his ship does have weapons, but in Season 1, there's not a whole lot of usage of those weapons. So thematically, it makes sense that her damage sides on her ship are what they are. Yeah, it doesn't strike to me as a ship that I would play, but for better or for worse, most ships that are assigned to a character are that way, it seems like. It seems like the better ones are the ones that are not attributed to a character. So, yeah, I am not a fan of it. I don't think it will see any play. I am glad that she is in the game with her ship. 
I might play it for fun for thematically, but I don't think you'll see it competitively. I mean, there are cards that allow you to put resources on your ship, but for a three drop, it's like, okay, yeah, the money's good and the shields I think are good, but the indirect and the one gun, it's just not worth it. Yeah, I think two disrupts on it's interesting because you can get it, you know, into the pool quite quickly with piloting. So it can be kind of that thing you just leave hanging out there to stop your opponent taking resources. But, you know, is that worth three resources to you? Probably not. But I think that's kind of an interesting potential for it other than the, you know, the luxurious damage sides. Before we wrap up the show, is there any last words you would like to say about a spoilers? I'm interested to see where piloting goes. I think I'm more interested in just trying out the piloting mechanic, but I don't know how much I really like these two pieces together. Yeah, I think it's going to come down to with her mostly kind of what pairing she gets. As you say, she's on that brink at 12 for a three wide. So it's really going to be seeing what else comes out. And for any vehicle deck, like three PO is going to be something you always look to. So whether that leaves you enough points for her with the third character is going to be obviously something we need to wait and see. I hope we get Kazuda. I like her. I don't know if she, like I said, will be competitive. Her ship is kind of disappointing. I, as far as piloting is concerned, would like to see piloting on higher cost characters to try to make sure that they see more play instead of these lower characters. She's a middle character. That 12 or 1 die is a little iffy if you can really do it. But like I said, I'm glad that she's in the game and I'm thankful that FFG gave us these spoilers because like I said, I'm a huge fan of her and, and I'm a huge fan of Resistance. Yeah, even though I haven't watched Resistance, I really like the artwork on these two cards. Unfortunately, due to the nature that we want to turn this episode around as quick as possible, we are going to head towards the conclusion of this episode to keep it on the shorter side. Beginning that process, what card from the Awakening block would you like to see get reprinted? Oh, that's a good question. I feel like I have to answer with a hero card because I don't want Villain to have more great mitigation. I definitely miss Lothcat. Lothcat Mouse. That's a great card that I would love to see again. That is a great one. How about you, sir? So I've gone with a DH-17 Blaster Pistol. I got this in draft, so it's very fresh on my mind how good this is for a one-drop. Even though it's villain, and Brian said I don't really want to give villain more good stuff. I kind of want to bump hero up, but that is a really good kind of one-drop, and I think it'd be good to get a few more one-drop upgrades back into the game. For me, I am going to say Impressionate. Impersonate is a two-cost yellow hero card that allows you to move damage around for your characters. That was like a staple in Sabine Ezra and one that I don't think people would like to see in an age of droids. But I think it was fun to use and shifting that around gives the deck a sense of sensibility that it wouldn't have otherwise. And two resources, it's a lot more affordable than what it used to be. So Impersonate would have to be my pick. Moving into our shotgun questions, Brian, are you ready? I'm so ready. First question, what is your favorite card in Star Wars Destiny? Feel your anger. What is your least favorite card in Star Wars Destiny? Vader's Fist. What is one card in Star Wars Destiny that you think is underrated? Zeb, Zeb Aurelius. What one card do you think is overrated? Forlom. Last question, what is one canon Star Wars character that you would like to see in Star Wars Destiny that is not yet in the game? It has to be a tie between Thane Kyrell 
and Cham Sindula. Great pick. Great pick. It is now time to wrap things up. Thank you, Brian, for joining us for this episode. We had a lot of fun. Unfortunately, it was a short episode, so we have to have you on again at a later date. Absolutely! (laughs) If people would like to reach out to contact you, where can they find you? They can find the Golden Dice on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. You can find me on Twitter at ScuttlebuttGDP, I think is my handle there. On Discord, I am just Scuttlebutt, or 14% if you're in our Discord. If people would like to reach out to contact you, where can they find you? So you can find me on my new Twitter account at Sarah underscore SWD, and I'm also on quite a lot of the Discord channels. And you can find me everywhere at Jetta Geek Girl. That concludes this episode of Ari Bell. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, I have been Jedi Geek Girl, and she has been Sarah. Jedi Geek Girl, out. This has been I Rebel, a Star Wars Destiny podcast. I have been your host, Jedi Geek Girl. If you would like to contact me, please send me an email at irebeldestiny at gmail.com. And as always, may the force be with you. Bell is an independent podcast, not associated with Lucasfilm, Disney, Fantasy Flight Games, or any other organization. All copyrights for Star Wars, Star Wars Destiny, and all other properties belong to the proper copyright holders.